We got Clowns, Secrets, Linda Ronstadt, and a preview of the Toronto International Film Festival. Coming up right now. You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Hey, (laughs) y'all caught me looking at my laptop. Oops. I was trying to make sure that volume was down because I am that girl that will have that volume up when we're online and you'll be hearing double audio going, oh, what the hell was that? But anyway, welcome back to The Curvy Critic. I'm your girl, Carla Renata, and this is episode 75 here at Black Hollywood Live. I have so much that I have to talk to you about today. But let me just tell you how my week went first and foremost. So I was telling the folks in the studio that I have been a um, critic featured on Rotten Tomatoes for almost, I want to say nine months. But Rotten Tomatoes released a press release this week announcing that they had added 600 underrepresented critics to their site, 55% of them being women, and I'm one of them. So in addition to finding my stuff here at Black Hollywood Live and occasionally over at Popcorn Talk and After Buzz TV and the curvyfilmcritic.com or Fox11LA or ET Live, you can now find all of my reviews over at RottenTomatoes.com. There's a page there for me and everything. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Josh. Josh I love him he's so great so I wanted to announce that and tell y'all about that and then I also wanted to um get a a shout out and best wishes to Kevin Hart on my way into the studio today Kevin Hart had a really horrible car accident um and as we speak we're not quite sure what his condition is but according to Anita Bennett who reported for Deadline.com he seems to have some very serious back injuries we're not sure in this moment what the extent of those back injuries are but we're hoping that he makes it out you know okay and that it's nothing that a little physical physical therapy and tender love and care can fix so you know our our prayers and blessings to you Kevin Hart we have so much to talk about in today's show (laughs) so 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 much um but before we get into it like I said before I also want to talk to you about um D23 so D23 is like the Disney version of Comic-Con. It's everything Disney. I mean, anything Disney you could possibly think of is at that convention. And it's usually held down in Anaheim at the convention center down there, which is ginormous, ginormous, ginormously huge. And um, it's bi-annually. So it usually happens every two years. And that's been the case since 2009. But this particular year, usually it's, you know, not too much to handle because Disney in the past would announce, you know, their Disney titles that were coming out that usually involved just Star Wars and Disney content. But since the acquisition of Marvel, then it included all of the Marvel content. But now, even with the acquisition of Disney Plus, which is a new streaming service set to drop on November 12th, which includes Hulu, Disney, Disney Plus, National Geographic, and ESPN. Ooh, I get tired just talking about it. All of that content is under Disney Plus, and they dropped that news on us at D23 last weekend. What that means is at Disney Plus, so if you were able to find Disney titles on, say, like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or YouTube every once in a while, that's no longer going to be the case. 
all of the Disney content will now only be streaming and only be able and you'll only be able to stream it or get a hold of it at the Disney Plus site, which goes up on November 12th. That means all of the Disney shows. That means all of the Disney movies. That means all of the Disney classics. That means the entire library for Star Wars, Marvel, all of the Hulu content. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot, a lot. And um, it also includes some brand new shows. So in addition to the libraries and the Disney content that I already mentioned, they're going to have some brand new content streaming on that service as well, like The Eternals with Brian Tyree Henry. And I think I said here either last week or week before last that Brian Tyree Henry had to bow out of The Quiet Place too because he had a scheduling conflict. Well, now we know what the scheduling conflict is. He is going to be doing The Eternals, which is a Marvel joint on Disney Plus that is going to air. Um, So there's that um there's also the mandalorian which is going to be on there raya and the last dragon monsters at large which stars one of my co-stars from superstore men men <laughs> ben feldman him uh yeah he's going to be in that there they did a preview of frozen 2 along with some music uh Kristen bell and josh gad and adina menzel and um the the little guy who plays i think i Christoph, Christoph, the guy who plays Christoph, all of them got together and they sang a little song, gave us a little preview from Frozen 2, which was actually quite lovely. And baby, when I tell you, they, they the stars were out in full force. Angelina Jolie was there talking about Maleficent. Um, who else was there? Oh, they trotted out Billy D. Williams and said that he's going to be in the last and final chapter of the Star Wars saga called The Rise of Skywalker. I love that they bringing the OGs back. Billy D. Williams was out there in his red jacket looking like the last of the OGs, but I was there for all of it. And I love the fact that Billy D. Williams, when he did that film back in the day, I'm pretty sure he didn't think like 30 some odd years later he would be on stage at a convention center at a Disney Comic Con D23 talking about doing the last Star Wars nine movies later. I think that's just, it was amazingly awesome. Um, what else? Oh, Jamie Foxx is going to be in a new movie with Tina Fey called Soul. That was my personal favorite, actually, that they debuted because it's the first, it's, it's under the Pixar umbrella through Disney. So they have all the Pixar content on Disney Plus, too. So that means Inside Out, all that stuff will be on Disney Plus as well. But Soul is an animated feature that delves into jazz music from the, the point of view of a high school a uh, jazz musician and his his desire to pursue that and then some things happen to him that I can't tell you about but when you see it you'll know exactly when you see the preview of it you'll see what I mean it's probably on YouTube somewhere but I wanted to just give you a brief recap of that if you want to read the full because when I tell you it was at least more than a hundred titles that they dropped over the course of the weekend between Friday and last between last Friday and Sunday. If you want to see all of the full content that dropped, I wrote an article for that for Sha- I wrote an article about that rather for Shadow and Act. So you can go to shadowandact.com and see the article that I wrote for them and it encompasses everything I just told you and then some. Whew. That wore me out. Let me see who's over in the chat room so I can go say hello. Hi, Marlon Wallace. How you doing, baby? Love to see you there. Glad you're there joining me. And some other people that over. Let me see who else is up and through here. Uh... Okay. So, yeah, there's some other people in there. I can't see it right now. Let me pull up. There we go. Live chat. Yay. 
All right, cool. So thank you for joining me as usual. I love you and um, we'll keep it moving because time is of the essence. All right. So in addition to the D23 recap and giving Kevin Hart some love, let me get into this movie that I saw by produced by IFC Films starring Kira Knightley called Official Secrets. Now, Official Secrets is directed by Gavin Hood. I kind of love him. He's one of he's one of my favorite directors. And Kira Knightley is one of my favorites too. Because, but this was nice to see her in a film that was not a period piece cuz I whenever I interview her I call her the queen of the period pieces cuz she kind of is. But this time she brought us right up into the present day and she is um she portrays a British intelligence specialist who inadvertently receives a memo from the NSA with a shocking directive that the U.S. is enlisting Britain to help collect compromising information on the U.N. Security Council members to blackmail them into voting in favor of invasion of Iraq. So what all of that means in layman's terms is, remember back in the day when George W. Bush was president and there was all that talk about weapons of mass destruction? Well, As we know now, there were no weapons of mass destruction. Britain knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. The U.S. knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. But they wanted to go to war with Iraq so that they could suss out Saddam Hussein. That's what it was really about. In real time, this woman named Catherine Gunn, who is being portrayed by Keira Knightley in this film, Official Secrets, she gets this memo where she inadvertently gets that information and finds that out. Now, it's her job to solely sit and transcribe all of this secret information. But she's one of these 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 people who is very patriotic to her country. And she feels like, why should people be blackmailing us into going into war, a fake war, unnecessarily, where lives are going to be lost? And lives were lost. There were over a million lives lost during the Iraqi war. Um, they did catch Saddam Hussein, but that was way, way, way later, way after we had found out there were no weapons of mass destruction and all of that. The film is fascinating for the simple fact that it, shows it it glows a spotlight on not only our government but the British government and how governments no matter what country it is when there's something that they don't want to get out or when there's something that they want to have happen they will shut stuff down quick fast and in a hurry at one point they even tried to deport Catherine Gunn's husband who was Muslim as a means to shut her up didn't shut her up she kept on running her mouth and eventually they were going to they were they were about to throw her into jail for treason when the government decided that that was not going to be a good move for them and they dropped all charges against her and she walked away with not a scratch or blemish on her name or her reputation. The, I think the worst thing that happened to her is that she lost her job. But she lost her job doing what she believed in, speaking out for what she believed in, and doing what she thought was right. It is in theaters right now, you guys. It is an excellent film excellent it's riveting the writing is riveting the direction is riveting and Kira Knightley perfection as always so that film is called Official Secrets when I was growing up there was a vocalist named Linda Ronstadt there are some of you that may be listening to this there are some of you that may be streaming this that don't have a clue as to who Linda Ronstadt is but let me tell you something the only other person on the face of the planet that I think even rivals Linda Ronstadt is probably Lady Gaga because Linda Ronstadt could sing anything she could sing opera she could sing pop she could sing rock 
She could sing folk. She even sang on Broadway a Gilbert and Sullivan. She was nominated for a Tony for a Gilbert and Sullivan musical called Pirates of Penzance. It was actually a revival that Joseph Papp did for the public theater, and then they moved it on to Broadway. She even did that. She had never sung Gilbert and Sullivan before, but her mother loved Gilbert and Sullivan's music, so she was familiar with it. She is from of Mexican descent, which a lot of people did not know until she came out with an album some years later called Songs for My Father. That is when people found out she was Mexican because she dressed up in full-on mariachi garb and sang all of these songs that her father was singing with her and her brothers as she was growing up um, in Tucson, Arizona, which is right on the border of Mexico. It's produced by CNN Films and in conjunction with James Keach. Now, I've talked about James Keach here before. James Keach is a lover of music, good music, and people that are historically good in that lane. People like Glenn Campbell. James Keach produced and directed a documentary on Glenn Campbell called I'll Be Me, and I spoke to him about that. You can find that over at thecurvyfilmcritic.com or on my YouTube page, the interview that I did with James Keach. It's heartbreaking, but he had um, touched base with Glenn Campbell right as Glenn Campbell got the diagnosis about having Alzheimer's and went public with it, and he followed him for a full year. Since that time, Glenn Glenn Campbell has passed away, but at least we have him at his best performing on the Grammys one last time with his kids in this documentary, and their kids and their kids after that and their kids after that will have that for posterity to show to each and every generation that they want to pass it down to, but... James Keach is notorious for doing that. He also is the producer behind Remember My Name, the David Crosby documentary that came out earlier this year. But this time, he's talking about Linda Ronstadt. And she, Linda Ronstadt is one of my favorite vocalists. She, hands down, she make, her voice makes my heart sing. It, make, it inspires me to do things that I may not have even thought about doing. Her voice is just... It's nothing short of miraculous. It really is. And unfortunately, this documentary, again, captures one of America's treasures at a point in life that's not so wonderful for them. Linda Ronstadt was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2011. So this documentary follows her rise to stardom and then her diagnosis with Parkinson's disease and how she's dealt with it since then. The most heartwarming part of that entire documentary is a moment where she's singing with her brothers. I mean, barely singing. You can hear a little quiver in her voice, but my girl is like, I am not going down without a fight. If I have to warble it out, I'm going to warble it out, but I recommend everybody seeing this if you're not familiar with her music she has a song that's called blue bayou her most famous song i think is this song called desperado and if you ever saw the motown 25 special she sings a duet with Smokey robinson of his hit tears of a clown which is absolutely fantabulous so the film again is called linda ronstadt the sound of my voice and it hits theaters on September 6th, produced by CNN Films and James Keach and directed by Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman. All right. Let me check back in the chat room with y'all. Oh, oh, hey. So, hey, Michael B. and Jenna James. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Better late than never. Look, I, I don't care how late you are. As long as you're here and you come to the party, it's all good. It is all good. Um, Jenna James is like, I'd like to see... 
Knightley in a future Marvel or DC film such as Women or Catwoman or Spider Woman. Um, you know, I don't think that's her jam. I wouldn't mind seeing her in that either, but I don't really think that's her jam. She could probably she hulk it too, just like Jenna said. So we'll see. You never know. A lot of people are, are hopping over into that superhero lane because, you know, it's a challenge for them and it's something that they've never done before. So it wouldn't be any big surprise if Kira Knightley didn't do that did that either. Now, you guys know I do not like horror. I say I don't like horror all the time. I am so not the horror chick. I can, however, deal with a good thriller or a good mystery. Now, It, Chapter 2, it is a follow-up to It. Y'all know It. It's a Stephen King joint. It was more of a thriller mystery for me than it was a horror film, but there were a few moments that I just couldn't get with, so I spent a good portion of this movie with my eyes closed. <laughs> I full-on watched this movie with my eyes closed. It was hilarious. My mom was with me, and so my mother kind of filled me in on the parts where my eyes was closed. But basically, um, it deals... They go back to the sleepy town of Derry, um, where the evil clown Pennywise returns 27 years later to torment the grown-up members of the Losers Club um, that are led by Jessica Chastain and uh, Bill Hader. Now, everybody is going... Bill Hader should get an Oscar nomination for this. He's fantabulous. He's the best thing in the movie. I wouldn't go that far to say that. He is very enjoyable in the movie, but I wouldn't go so far as to say he needed an Oscar nomination for this. Um, no. But um, what I would say is that I loved the cast of kids. The cast of adults, to me, they were okay. They were just okay. Um, and one of the, the adult members of the Losers Club was M- Mustafa Isaiah, who everybody knows is the Old Spice Man. And he was one of the the grown-up kids. But the kids, the ones who played the kid kids, they were pure comedy. And It Chapter 2 felt like if you took Stand By Me, which is also a Stephen King joint, and you paired that with Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then you kind of like flipped it back around and brought it back around to It, that's what that movie felt like to me. And it was okay. Like, I wasn't like... Oh my God, this was the best thing ever. It was it was a great supernatural thriller. And if you're down for that and you're down for a little comedy, because you know you can't do a horror thriller mystery film without a little comedy thrown up in there every once in a while. You really and if you're a fan of Stephen King and you're a fan of the first it, you will hands down be so excited about this new incarnation coming your way with that clown Pennywise. Ooh, child, that was a lot going on for me. But Yeah, and I don't think I will ever look at clowns the same way again. And I was one of those people that I absolutely loved clowns, but yeah, I don't know if I'm going to love a clown ever again, (laughs) ever again after seeing It Chapter 2. And the press people invited us to like a little carnival situation, so they recreated the fun house with the mirrors and everything, and they kept trying to get me to go in there. I was like, "Um, are there people coming out and grabbing you like in a horror house? Like, is that happening? I'm like, and don't lie to me because if it happens and I have a heart attack, you're going to have to, it's going to be on you. And they were like, yeah. I'm like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going in there. But my mother went through there and she was a champ. She was living her best life. And y'all, my mama's 80 years old. So shout out and big old fist up to my mama because she is the real MVP when it comes to horror films for me. But It Chapter 2 is directed by Andres Machete, is produced by Warner Brothers, and it also will be in theaters beginning September 6th. 
Now to get on to the real part of the conversation. The Toronto International Film Festival. There are a plethora of films that are going to be playing there. And I will be there next week. So I will do a little reporting from Toronto for you there. And um, after I've seen some of these films that I'm talking about this week, because hardly any of these films have I seen ahead of time. But I'm going to talk about them because they're on my to watch list. The first one up is Judy. I'm a huge, huge Judy Garland fan. And so when they dropped the trailer that Renee Zellweger was going to be playing Judy Garland, I was kind of all over that. I'm like, yes, yes, Judy Garland. I am all about that. But this week, as luck would have it, you know, the, the, these kind of things can never come up without a little controversy happening with them. So apparently they did not reach out to Liza Minnelli, who is one of Judy Garland's uh, kids that are still living, they did not reach out to Miss Liza. They did not talk to her about the film. And um, Renee didn't talk to her about the film, which I think that's really odd that you're going to play Judy Garland. Her daughters are living. Both Lorna Luft and Liza Minnelli are still alive and were alive during the time period in which Renee is playing her in this film. And you didn't reach out to them to to even talk to them. I always think that's weird when they do these types of films on real life people and, and folk don't at least just reach out. That's just me. That's just my opinion. But Liza Minnelli said on Facebook after somebody had reported wrongly that um, she had that she had been contacted, Liza said, I have never met nor spoken to Renee Zellweger. I don't know how these stories get started, but... I do not approve nor sanction the upcoming film about Judy Garland in any way. Any reports to that are contrary and 100% fiction. Now, you know, the last time we had a true life story come up in award season and there was some controversy, it was Green Book. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this one plays out. Real interesting. But this one is directed by Rupert Gould. And um, it's produced by Roadside Attractions. And it's going to pick up Judy's life 30 years after starring in The Wizard of Oz when she's living in London and performing to sold-out shows there and um, performing at the Talk of the Town nightclub where she reminisces about friends and fans and begins to uh, have a whirlwind romance with um, musical, with musician, rather, Mickey Dean's. Um, her soon-to-be fifth husband. So that is the premise for Judy. Joker opened last night at the Telluride Film Festival. So if you're not familiar with the... Te so this is what happens during award season. There's a couple of film festivals that are kind of tell... that are the telltale signs of what's going to go down when award season kicks in. So those film festivals are the Telluride Film Festival, the Toronto Film Festival, which I'm going to and Sundance, and Venice, and Cannes. Those are the big five. There's a whole bunch of other ones that happen in between, but those are the big five. And so last night, Joker premiered at the Telluride Film Festival, and it got an eight-minute standing ovation. Thus far, there seems to be some mixed reviews coming in, but the Joker is being played by Joaquin Phoenix, one of my favorite actors, and it's directed by Todd Phillips and is produced by Todd Phillips, Bradley Cooper and Emma Tillinger. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to know why they had that eight minute standing ovation. That's what I want to know. Um, it's about a failed comedian, Arthur Fleck who encounters violent things 
while wandering the streets of Gotham City dressed as a clown. Disregarded by society, Fleck begins a slow descent into madness as he transforms into the criminal mastermind known as the Joker. The last time somebody took on the Joker, it was Heath Ledger, and he was nominated for an Oscar um, posthumously, and he won posthumously. So it'll be real interesting to see if Joaquin Phoenix is finally going to get his due because every year they nominate him, and in my opinion, he should have won for um, Walk the Line when he played Johnny Cash. I felt like he was robbed on that joint, but, you know, that's just me. And I think it'll definitely be a breath of fresh air for the Joker character. Sorry to interrupt. This is mm, Josh no. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, and you know what? With the whole... Uh, I wouldn't call it really a debacle, but with the portrayal of uh, Jared Leto in uh, Suicide Squad of Joker, I didn't think they would really made that character much justice. And just knowing how Joaquin Phoenix is just like super dedicated to any character he portrays in the films, I'm definitely this is one of the movies and as well as uh, it Chapter Two that I'm super excited for to watch like in the upcoming days and weeks and such. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see the Joker too. And I did hear that Jared Leto and Suicide Squad was like people were like oh yeah, but a lot of people weren't feeling Suicide Squad as a whole, which is really surprising to me that they're doing a sequel. So we'll I'll, it'll be real interesting to see how that sequel plays out, just because you you know. You brought that up. I was like, oh, okay, let's see what, what happens with that. But Joker's release date is going to be on October 4th, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm probably going to see it at Toronto before next Sunday. If I do, I'll let you know. If I don't, I'll let you know. But at some point here at The Curvy Critic, we'll be talking about it. Another film I'm really excited to see is a film called Just Mercy. It stars Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. And rumor in the industry has it that this is probably going to garner both of these young men an Oscar nomination. Jamie Foxx's second Oscar nomination since he won the Oscar for Ray a few years back. Um, It's getting strong Oscar buzz for both of them. It's going to play theaters on Christmas Day. It's directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And it's based on a true story of a young lawyer named Brian Stevenson, who... um, he had a he he's had his history making battle for justice after graduating from Howard um had his pick of lucrative jobs and instead he heads to Alabama to defend these wrongly condemned people in support of a local advocate Eva Ansley um and it was one of his cases in 1987 where this guy named Walter McMillan got sentenced to die for the notorious murder of an 18-year-old girl. So there's a lot of films, for some reason, coming out with people of color, particularly African-American people of color, that are taking place where there's either their prison, they're either prison wardens, they're lawyers, they're in prison. I talked not too long ago about a, a, a film... Brian Banks, where this guy was wrongly accused of a, a, a rape crime. That came out already. Clemency is coming out. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, and now we have Just Mercy. But I heard that Just Mercy is really quite stellar and that it is going to create some really strong Oscar buzz for those two young men, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Clemency is a film that I saw in Sun at Sundance. And I feel like it's a really strong Oscar contender as well. It is starring Alfre Woodard, Aldous Hodge, Danielle Brooks, um, and Wendell Pierce. And every last single one of them are slaying it on the screen. Every last single one of them. And I feel like Wendell Pierce, Aldous Hodge, 
and Alfie Woodard should all get Oscar nominations for this film. It's written by a young African chick. Her last name is Chukwu. I think her first name is Chinoye. I hope that I pronounced it right. Chinoye Chukwu. She is the director. She wrote it. These people are starring in it. I'm telling you, when I saw this movie, my head was spinning and I just couldn't say enough about it. It's called Clemency. Clemency, y'all. And it will hit theaters on December 27th. Around A lot of these films are dropping around Christmas and into the fall between like, you know, Halloween and Christmas. So. But I'll talk about them because I'll, I'll definitely see Clemency again. And I can talk about it again when, once I've seen it again. Eddie Murphy hasn't been on the scene in a, in a really strong movie since he did Dreamgirls, in which he was nominated for an Oscar for that. But he is playing Dolomite this time in a film called Dolomite Is My Name. And speaking of Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy is just brokered a deal with Netflix for $70 million, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, considering the fact that not too long ago, um, Dave Chappelle had brokered a deal, brokered a deal with Netflix for sixty million, and Chris Rock had one for forty million. But they're gonna give Eddie Murphy seventy million. I can't wait to see what kind of comedy special is worth seventy million dollars. I love me some Eddie Murphy, but I want to see what kind of comedy special is gonna garner seventy million dollars. I'm just saying. But having said that, Eddie Murphy also was announced to be coming back to Saturday Night Live to host for the first time in 35 years since he left the show in 1984. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be pure comedy. I loved him on Saturday Night Live. Loved him, loved him, loved him. But he is going to be at the Toronto International Film Festival playing Dolomite. Now, if you don't know who Dolomite is... Before there was a Red Fox, before there was a Richard Pryor, before there was a Eddie Murphy, a Chris Rock, a Dave Chappelle, any of these comedians that you love and like, before any of them hit the scene, there was Dolomite. And Dolomite's real name was Rudy Ray Moore. And his career, he had like a very quick meteoric rise and then it shot down just as quick as it came up. And so he spent a good portion of his career trying to like pull it back up and so he came up with this alter ego named Dolomite I hear Eddie Murphy is slaying it in this movie so I can't wait to see him in that and another film that I can't wait to see is Harriet I've talked about Harriet here before um Harriet is produced by Focus Features and if you didn't know or or if I haven't mentioned it in a while I am part of a cast where there's five film critics including myself that do a show for Focus Features called You Know That Scene. And basically what we do is we, they pick a bunch of universal pictures, Focus Feature titles, they throw it around a theme and we talk about it. So we have a new episode coming up centering around badass women and that would include Harriet based on Harriet Tubman and one on Downton Abbey and I'll keep you apprised of when those drop. They'll usually drop on YouTube and Facebook Live, I believe. But Harriet is a feature film built around the abolitionist, slave abolitionist Harriet Tubman, who's mostly known for the Underground Railroad. She was known as Moses. She's being played by Cynthia Erivo. There are wonderful performances in this film by Omar Dorsey, Leslie Odom Jr. You guys know him from Hamilton. Janelle Monet, you know her as the dirty computer. I mean, the the performances go on and on and on and on. It's produced by Cassie Lemons. Um, and 
it's it's one of the most talked about films at the festival. I'm going to be really interested to see how people embrace that because a, a lot of people of color are like, oh, I don't want to see another slavery film I'm suffering from slavery fatigue. But I think that Harriet Tubman's story is important because she's part of American history. And, and I've said on the show many times, you can't, you will repeat history. You will repeat it if you don't find out, if you don't keep, making people aware of what happened in the first place. If you don't keep talking about it and bringing to light what was wrong about when stuff happened the first time, then it is definitely doomed to rep- to repeat itself. So that is Harriet. Okay, what y'all talking about in this chat room? Dolomite is my name. Dressing like a pimp is my game. Uh-uh. <laughs> Ooh, Marlon Wallace, you got pure jokes. Bring back buckwheat. I love buckwheat. Oh, Tay. Um... You liked Jenna liked uh, Dave Chappelle's. Um, uh-uh. Why y'all keep talking about buckwheat? Yeah, people are talking about Janelle Monet shooting, teaching Harriet how to shoot a gun. Yeah, that scene where Janelle Monet teaches Harriet Tubman how to shoot a gun. It's it's a it's a really good scene. I've seen I now that film I have seen and I got opinions about it, but I'm gonna keep them to myself until the film drops. Okay, and last but not least, one of the films I'm excited about seeing is. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood starring Tom Hanks and is directed by Marielle Heller, which you guys will remember I talked about her last Oscar season when she directed Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was starring Melissa McCarthy. And they both, I don't think Marielle was nominated for an Oscar. I can't remember, but I know for sure Melissa McCarthy was. I wanted Marielle to get nominated for an Oscar because I thought her screenplay for that, along with Jeff Witte, was the bomb.com. So if they snoozed and lost on that one, that's their problem. But they're not going to snooze on this one. I promise you that. Um, this particular story that Tom Hanks is doing, Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers. And it's based on a true story between his real-life friendship with a journalist named Tom Junod. And Tom Janaud is still living. So it'll be real interesting to see how this plays because last year we had the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And people felt some kind of way about that. They were all emotional and crying. I felt like Morales from A Chorus Line. I probably was the only person that saw that documentary that was not sentimental or crying about it. I may cry during this particular film because Tom Hanks just kind of evokes that emotion out of me in a feature. But we will see. We will definitely see. All right, now let me just give you a, a, a little tidbit of news that I ran across over the course of the week. USC Annenberg does a, um, a report, an inclusion report. Every year they do an inclusion report, and it usually centers around African Americans and their role in the business or lack thereof. This week, <laughs> they dropped... Uh, oh, y'all said the screenplay, but can you ever forgive me? Got nominated, but Hella didn't write it. Jeff Witte wrote it. Oh, that's right. It was Nicole. Nicole Nicole Hoffinger and Jeff Witte wrote it. You're absolutely right, Marlon Wallace. Forgive me for, for putting that misinformation out there. I hate when people do that. So, yes, but Jeff Witte did write it. That I know for sure. All right, back to the Annenberg Report. So, the Annenberg Report examined 100 films that grossed in mo- for movies between 2007 and 2018 and they found that only 3% of the films had Latinx actors in lead or co-lead roles. A mere 4.5% of all speaking characters were Latinx and more troubling, there was no meaningful change in the representation over the 12-year period that the study examined. Hispanics 
I hate when they call people of color that are Latin Hispanics, but anyway, and I'm not Hispanic, but whatever. Um, comprise 20% of the movie going public. I've said this before, that black people, Latin people, and Asian people make up the majority of the people that go see movies. Why are we not represented on the screen? Why are we not represented in film criticism? I just don't get it, but okay, that's just me. Um, they said that... Um, and 18% of the U.S. and Latinos make up more than 18% of the United States population. So they make up 20% of the movie going public and 18% of the United States population. Moreover, 77% of U.S. states and territories have Latinx populations greater than the percentage seen in Hollywood films. That is a shame and disgrace, and it should not be happening in this day and age. But thank goodness the USC Annenberg um, Inclusion Report always brings people to task and calls them out so that maybe at least an attempt will be made to rectify the situation as it did with African Americans and with women. Because after they came out with a report last year, we started to see a rise in the types of shows featuring people of color, particularly African American people. We saw that number rise on television. We saw it rise in film. We're seeing more female directors. So hopefully with the Latin community, community this report will help that um, faction of people in the industry as well something very interesting also came up that I found of note so a little while ago we talked here about Nate Parker he had a film at Sundance called The Birth of a Nation it debuted to thunderous applause and there was all this brouhaha about it and I think 20th Century Fox bought it like the next day for like a record uh, a record amount of money like 20 million dollars or something crazy like that um and then it was released, some re-released rather, some information that when Nate Parker was in college, he was involved in a, allegedly involved in a rape situation where he was charged with rape. And when they started to promote the film, they let everybody talk about the film except for him. When they did let him talk, he was angry, he was dismissive, he was annoyed that people would even ask him about it. And now that he has a film at the Venice Film Festival. He is saying that um, he's apologizing because the film that he has at the Venice Film Festival is called American Skin. Now he is apologizing for being, quote-unquote, tone-deaf during that period of time. He, you know... I have many thoughts about that particular situation and, and about how that went down. I feel like not only was he tone deaf, but he was very insensitive to the girl because the young lady in question killed herself later on down the line. And and it, it wasn't his fault that she killed herself. But the situation that led to that, he was involved in it partly and it just wasn't a good look for him. And the best thing that he could have done in that situation, in my opinion, was, you know, maybe start a rape crisis center at the college where they went to school where all that went down or apologize at the time. But at the time, he was like, I'm not apologizing. I didn't do anything wrong, yada, yada, yada. So now he's apologizing that he was tone deaf. And now he has this new film called American Skin. And Spike Lee is down there uh, backing him up. Spike Lee is down there going, yo, you made a mistake in the past. You are copped up to the mistake. This is a new day. This is a new age. This is a new time. This is a new film. Let's deal with the present. So American Skin, Parker is also 
starring in this as well as writing it. And he plays Lincoln Jefferson, a Marine veteran, and now a janitor at a prestigious junior high school in California who's trying to mend his relationship with his son after his divorce. One day during a routine police check, the boy is killed, but the officer guilty of shooting him is declared innocent without having to face trial. So there's another one of these stories coming out. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this film. I like Nate Parker. I was a fan of his acting. I thought he was a really gifted screenwriter and um, a gifted director. And it was a shame that all of this stuff from his past kind of came up. I almost felt like it was purposefully done to kind of throw him under the bus instead of letting him enjoy the ride he was on with the birth of a nation. But, you know, hopefully people will forget about it. Not forget about it, but people will say, okay, that was then. Let's try to, you know, be in the present and deal with this now. That boy has paid in spades for what he has said and what he has done. And you can't, you can. People in this day and age are notorious for holding folks to task for stuff that they've done 20, 30, 40 years ago. But in some instances, it's not fair. Um, And I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold him to task for what he did. I think we have held him to task for what he has done and for what he has said. And we are now dealing with American skin. We are no longer talking about the birth of a nation. So it's time to move on to the next project and let that sit in the past where it is and let it lay there and fester and do what it's going to do. And let's move on. And that's what I have to say about that. Um, Lawrence of Arabia. If you have never seen that, that is an Oscar-winning film that won an Oscar for the director. It is going to be a Fathom event in theaters today and on September 4th. So if you want to go see that in its entirety, and when I say its entirety, I mean the whole four hours and five minutes of it. It's a long one. So make sure that you either eat before you go or make sure you get a little popcorn as a snack to eat while you're there because it's going to have to tide you over at some point. Um, because that's a long movie, but again, it's a Fathom Events event. You can go to fathomevents.com. It stars Peter O'Toole, it is Lawrence of Arabia, and is being re released in theaters in conjunction with Sony Pictures. Eva Longoria, yay, my girl, I love her. She has been, she has been, um, tied to the Cheetos movie. I know I'm not talking about the Cheetah Girls. So I, I know when I first saw this, I was like, oh, Ava Longoria is directing the Cheetah movie? No. So she's she's been tapped to direct this movie about the person who created the Cheetos. Hold on. Let me find my note down here because I, I went to another page by mistake. Hurry up. Let me hurry up. Uh, here we go. All right. Here we go. So she's going to direct it. She's going to direct this movie. It's called Flaming Hot for Fox Searchlight. It's about Richard Montana. Montanez, I think Montanez, or I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he created the spicy, the spicy flaming hot Cheeto snack. Um, Devon Franklin is going to be the producer, and that's going to be done under his production company that he still has with um, Fox. He has a deal at Fox. Um, Richard rose to fame in humble beginnings. Well, his humble beginnings. Um, as a, a son of a Mexican immigrant, had, he was a, a janitor at Frito Lay, and he was inspired. He was inspired to to make up these flaming hot Cheetos um, through flavors in his community. So, 
Eva Longoria is going to direct that. Very excited about that. Viola Davis is coming to Showtime, y'all, and she's going to play first former First Lady Michelle Obama in a film called First Ladies. It's a one-hour White House drama that has been put on fast-track development at Showtime with a three-script commitment. It's produced by... Viola and her husband Julius's company Juvie Productions is set in the east wing of the White House where many of history's most impactful and world changing decisions have been hidden from view. The series will peel back the curtain on the personal and political lives of our most en- enigmatic heroes with season one focusing on Eleanor Roosevelt, Betty Ford, and Michelle Obama. Whew, that was a lot of content to get through, but I was determined to get it to y'all. Determined, determined, determined. So, I will report live from the Toronto International Film Festival on September 8th. Thank you for joining me for this 75th episode of The Curvy Critic here at Black Hollywood Live. Let me roll them back over to the chat room and see what y'all talking about over there. Uh, <laughs> uh-uh. Y'all said you didn't want to see it, then you won't see it now. Ooh, y'all are funny. So Cheetos following McDonald's, Disney, and Walmart with biopic film, I guess. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, Michael G. Michael G. Michael B. So Michael B., Jenna James, Marlon Wallace, thank you so much for joining me in the chat room as you always do. Join me back here, same bat time, same bat channel, a little after 5 o'clock Pacific time for the Curvy Critic episode 76 where I will give you the full skinny on the Toronto International Film Festival at that time. Until then, love, peace, and hair grease. I love y'all and I'll see you then. Bye, and deuces. <laughs> On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined.